Hello, it's Julie Story. Welcome back to another episode of my podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. I don't even know how to start this one. Just, I'm just gonna say like about last night. Like, and this one's gonna be deep. We're gonna go deep. There's gonna be funny stories, but I'm gonna go deep because I feel like I've been on this journey and I've been inviting you guys along with me. And so as I'm crying at my kitchen table last night, I'm thinking I have to share this. This is too good not to share. So last night, I'm finishing up um, certain sections of this writing course that I'm creating for, gosh, just entrepreneurs. Being a writer and, and working with a lot of entrepreneurs, I just have found that people really struggle to put their their thoughts and their feelings, their emotions into words. So I'm, I'm finishing up parts of my course and I'm doing recordings. So I ask Andre to come home later. And I don't know if you realize this, but as much as teachers um, have, you know, a lot of things that they deal with, like um, accidents that other children have, and this is just kind of part of the teacher job. This is what makes them literally the most extraordinary people on earth. That they they go to college, they get a copious amount of financial debt to invest into other people's children like i feel like there needs to be a teacher's day and a teacher's day parade like the thanksgiving day parade like the macy's thanksgiving day parade except it's just all teachers and every single one gets their own flow and like gets like dressed to the nines and we just throw cash at them like teachers are so amazing like and i and i've known i've i've known friends that have been teachers my my whole life i've had friends that are teachers but like being married to one, you kind of get really, really the, the real deal behind the scenes. And my husband is so amazing. And he gets off of work at the time that kids leave school. So around like 3.30. So he gets home to our house around 4. So teachers have a little bit different of a work schedule. It's not a 9 to 5. It's like a 7.30 that feels like a 4.30 in the morning to you know three o'clock three thirty in the afternoon so for me running a business at home if i'm doing something i ask him to come home a little bit later so he's coming home later he comes home with like all these groceries and he starts making me dinner and i'm sitting at my kitchen table with my notebook that i have right here because the other night that we went out to dinner and i told you guys about that like dimly lit room and like my husband who's like amazing and it's like i'm so proud of you for like going deep and all these great deep things um i i started writing out this list of these like stories that i have been telling myself that are absolutely insane <laughs> like just like just ridiculous like thought processes and belief systems i've had and what's so wild is that we believe these stories and these narratives about our life and it keeps us just like wandering around the mountain and um gosh it's not beneficial at all like it doesn't help us in our life at all it doesn't help us like process anything at all so i told you the other day that i was like going to counseling i went um i found myself a therapist which is amazing and i'm just gonna like we're gonna go on this tangent for a second real quick because i haven't talked to you guys a lot about this and it needs to be said like a now of all the times and like where our culture's at and like the me too movement and like seeing you know these amazing people 
really struggling like with their mental health and and watching so many people like just gosh go through so many really deep things for a really long time there was like this really negative stigma against counseling like I remember growing up and like hearing like my parents talk about like their friends or whatever and should they ever mention that this couple is in therapy it was like there was a gasp and a clutching of the invisible pearls at the neck like that's how dramatic it was to hear that somebody was going through counseling and like i try and think about the like the generations and like what the generations like have gone through and like how we've changed as a culture i mean let's let's pause here for a second and remember that social media is like 15 years old social media is a teenager in the middle of puberty right now in our lives and like that we've been impacted so much through like the internet and social media and like the information age like people you can get information so quickly there was let's there was a time when people had to leave their home go to the library look through the Dewey decimal system to find a book that may or may not be dated or outdated or or have misinformation in it and sit there and flip through the book to find the page to get one piece of information. And now we're like on our phones at 3.30 in the morning, like we're like, you know, like I'm looking up the most ridiculous, ludicrous things. Like I just, I'm so glad that my Google search history is not online for the internet to see because it's so like ridiculous. Andre and I will have these like ridiculous conversations and we just, we immediately like grab our phones and we're like Googling like, we're watching these shows. We're watching. Um, I introduced Andre to This Is Us last night, and um, I've watched This Is Us, and like I don't cry watching it. But I, I told him, I said, this is the kind of show that I feel like I want to support in our in our culture. Like just such deep, rich. Like they're they're touching everything. They're touching so many things that a lot of shows don't touch. And like. I, I love that there's like adoption and that they're they're dealing with like a white family raising a black son and like they they're they're crossing these like these lines that I feel like a lot of shows don't cross and they're doing it in such a respectful, profound, amazing way and they're talking about like weight and they're talking about like growing up life issues, which I feel like it's such an appropriate show to talk about in this podcast because of where I'm going. <laughs> because like, oh gosh, our history and how we're raised have so much impact on our life. So introducing Andre to that last night and we're watching it after our deep conversation because where do you go after a deep conversation where you're crying your eyes out you go to this is us you turn on another show you eat chocolate and you just you're you're just there so um so we were watching that last night but before that um we uh, he's making me chilly and you know I had been writing this list about these stories that I had been telling myself and I um, realized when I was in in counseling um, this week and that's what I was talking about. I was like trying to find where, what was I talking <laughs> I was going on like so many tangents. What was I talking about? I was talking about counseling and like how culturally it just wasn't an acceptable thing. It is totally and completely necessary and normal to need help processing life like we need to get that on on the table and like unstereotype this 
this stigma of like if you go to therapy it means that you have you like you are abnormal and you have like these like crazy things and like yeah we have sometimes we have crazy things and that's why we need help I don't know where this came from in our generation where or my parents generation were just like oh my gosh like they're going to therapy. There must be something really wrong. Yeah, that's why they're going. And like, they're really smart for going. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, so the past, you know, on this podcast, the past two and a half years for us have been just insane. Like to give you an idea of some of the insanity that that I have gone through in my life and I don't dive too deep into some of the specific details, but I only went over one specific area with my counselor. And this is the first time I met with her and she was really um sweet and you know I feel like I'm just like an open person anyway but she was really sweet she gave me some really really practical things that I could do immediately but in like going over one specific area of my life I just watched her like bring her hand up to her face and kind of lean her her hand like on on her cheek and the reason I tell you this is because I was really like looking and like I was really looking at her and I started to see like tears um, as I was telling like these parts of my story and, um, you know, after 45 minutes in just one particular section, she just was like, wow, like you have just been through. And I just like, yes, I like, I've been through some things and, and what I realized and like what she kept reiterating to me was like that my strength is a weapon. Like it's a, it's, it's really a superpower. And so it just was so helpful to have, that interaction. And why I want to talk to you about it is because, gosh, like if, if you need help, like processing some big things, like you are not alone. Like it is okay. We are so complex as human beings that sometimes we just need someone, like most of the time we need somebody, whether it's a friend or spouse or whoever, but like we need somebody who understands how our brain and our psyche works and like how biology and psychology plays into our different thought patterns. And we can try and logic ourselves into like making better decisions. And sometimes it's great and sometimes it works, but we need somebody to sit with us. Like we need somebody to say, I understand you've been through a lot. I'm going to help lead you out of this space. And so started going to therapy. My kids have been in counseling for years now, a couple years now. Um, and every time I take them, I just think, gosh, I wish I had been in therapy when I was younger. Like I wish I had somebody to like, especially during my like puberty years. You remember those years when your mind is trying to like understand the vastness of the world and like your emotions as a child and you just pick up on all these things that are just not true. And part of the list that I'm writing out, that I've been writing out of this narrative of like this story that I've been telling myself are these things that are like, oh my gosh, I believe this since I was younger. So after Andre cooks this amazing meal, which if you've listened to me for any amount of time, you know how much I hate cooking. Um, I set something on fire this week in my microwave. True story. I was warming up a piece of pizza from my sister's birthday party. And uh, my mom had bought these adorable plates. Actually, no, I had bought those plates. I bought those plates for Andre's mother's birthday. I feel like one of those people right now that's giving unnecessary details. Anyway, they had foil on these like paper plates. And I didn't really like realize it. So I put, put the pizza in the microwave. Turns out, if you microwave a foil plate, it catches on fire. So I 
saw the fire in the microwave because I happened to be standing right there and I opened the microwave and my instant response, and you guys know, like my fight or flight system isn't great, okay? Like shaking when there's like potential fire. So my fight or flight in this instant said, I know what's the smartest thing. I'm going to take the plate on fire. I'm going to touch the plate on fire. I'm going to remove it from the, you know, very contained area and I'm going to touch it and toss it onto the counter without like looking what's on the counter. Thankfully there was nothing there like feathers or, you know, lace or tool, any other of my crafting supplies that are generally on my counter. And my my hand got like it it hurt it got burned because the foil on the rest of the plate was hot and the whole plate was like lined in foil so now i'm touching the on fire plate and that the flames are a good three or four inches above the plate like that's how on fire this was so i'm watching this happen i throw it on my counter and you know i just like i don't know the, the flame just ended up going out it just kind of sizzled out which was kind of odd but I don't, this is, this was, this was my, my hope was if I move the plate out of the contained area, it's going to be better for everyone. Uh, it, it, we didn't blow up the house. I have a friend who told me this amazing story. She no longer cooks in her family because she set the kitchen on fire kind of with her, she made a toaster, um, pop tart and it caught on fire and her husband happened to be a firefighter so he was the one who was called to their home and so the her husband was like no more cooking for you you are now done cooking and when i heard this story i immediately thought how can i reproduce this story in a safe way in my own life so that i no longer have to cook because <laughs> i hate cooking so bad and i catch plates on fire so after the plate came out of the microwave i'm like see babe i really shouldn't be cooking and he's like stop <laughs> so he cooked last night so we're sitting there eating chili and we start um the whole time that he is the whole time that he's cooking i'm taking line by line i wrote like two pages of like line after line of like these terrible stories that i've been telling myself since I was young. And so I started to like look at each one and I started writing out a new story, like kind of like almost like a declaration, if you will, a new story so that I can retell the story in my, in my life with a new kind of perspective. So when my husband sits down at the table, he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm rewriting the story. And he's like, oh, which story? Because I'm also writing a novel and I'm also writing like a, a, like, true e-true hollywood story funny like memoir about just different things in life and so i'm doing those two books so he's like which story are you writing and i was like oh no I'm, I'm rewriting the negative stories in my life so he sits down and he says to me well do you feel like you need to like grieve the past story and i'm like i like thought for a second and like I like tearing up thinking about it and I gosh it was such a profound statement and I didn't start crying right away I started thinking (laughs) which leads to crying like I started like thinking about my life and thinking about some of the things 
And I like go way, way back to like when I was younger because he was like, you know, maybe some of these these beginning places of these narratives in your life, like they began when you're younger. So like, like what about your younger self? Like what 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 stories began when you're younger? And I started thinking about some of the things that I went through and some of the belief systems I had and some of the things that you just pick up when you're a kid and, you know, your parents don't realize that they're they're encouraging this thought pattern. Of course, they don't mean to, but you just do. You know, you just, you, you, it's hard to process life when you're younger. And so I started thinking about when I was younger and I started connecting the dots, almost like, they were almost like anchor points in my life of just connecting the dots of, here was a thought pattern I had when I was younger and here's where it was reiterated when I was a teen and here's where it was definitely reiterated when I was adult. And I start to see this like this this theme in my life of just feeling like I wasn't worthy or I wasn't valuable unless I was producing something. And it's like this this is like a huge thing that like I'm going to be like continually processing continue unraveling because all these different points in my life I had learned that my value and my worth came from doing something for somebody else and you know particularly when I was adult I had different moments where where people and I've told you about this before but it's just like runs so deep so we just like have to sit on this like moment but like I had people in my life that would take they would take from my gift and my creativity and my my personality they would take in order to build what they needed and then when they were done when they were done with me they no longer were interested in a friendship and i didn't realize how how much this was like a huge theme so like as i'm realizing this i'm processing even the last couple years and like people coming in and out of my life and i just like start bawling my eyes out because what a pain point and my husband is just like so he was like Ianla. it's like andre like fixed my life right now like he's been watching so many he's been doing so much internal work that he is like helping to lead me to like do the inward work and i realized last night that this is normally work people do in their 20s like when you're when you turn 18 and then like you move out of your parents house eventually you start doing this like deep introspective like not bad introspective where you're like shaming yourself because that's terrible never do that like nobody needs to be doing that let's just put that on the table but reflective reflective is a way better word reflective work in your 20s where you think about your life you think about your childhood and you think about choices and like you you date a couple people that are terrible and then you're like oh that was a dumb decision like that was really immature i don't want to be with them and then you move on so that that wasn't my life like I didn't have 20s where I was like reflecting on my life or like the direction of my life and like considering I didn't have that time because I got married to my kid's dad when I was 18 years old so I had just become an adult and I got pregnant a month after I got married so I had my daughter when I was 19 so and I had my son when I was 21 so I was raising two kids under two before I was 22. I wasn't sitting around thinking about patterns in my life. I was thinking about like just 
babies and you know just caring for other people and like I was growing up while helping other people grow up and so this work this like this like Dr. Phil Oprah Iyanla work never um it it got done in some ways but I didn't sit like I am now I didn't sit in it and I think too it it feels um can feel really scary to like look back and like confront and turn towards the feelings and if I could say anything if I could tell you anything about the last six years for me I can say that I 100% um didn't acknowledge or be honest with what I was really feeling and what I really wanted and what like with what was going on in my life it, outside of Andre because Andre is a whole no- it's he's like a whole nother world he's like Narnia like he's like untouchable I'm talking about the real life I'm talking about real life that isn't the amazing Narnia of like my relationship with Andre not that everything's perfect. You guys have listened to our story and it's in the third part of our love story is about to get way, way, way more real. Um, mainly because I'm immature and I'm growing in my maturity. But in any case, in other areas of my life, I let other people and other people's perspectives and other people's wants and other people's desires create in me my behaviors. And... It was a it was a really big struggle, especially because I didn't realize that I was in I went to um, ministry school. So there's this school out in California that's amazing. It's called Bethel, and um, they have like a prophetic ministry school, which essentially is you are learning about who God says you are, and you are you are learning about like a lot of different things it's a leadership school that has a spiritual take on it so you're learning about how to be a great leader how to lead people how to um you know connect other people and also you're learning about yourself you're learning about what are your gifts and how do you connect to god and all these different things so it's a great school but they had a satellite school in town and so we went to this kind of like video school andre and i both went it's a four-year school and you get a degree, a bachelor's degree. So I have a bachelor's degree in Christian leadership and ministry. And during my time in in ministry and kind of learning about who I was, I started taking on, um, I started taking on some religious expectations of myself. So I really believe that there's a there's a there's a purity in connecting to God, but there's also um, you can also become religious and like Christianity is called a religion, but religious is kind of like it's a twist. It's a twist on the purity of connecting to God. That's that's how I'd call it. I heard once one of my amazing like awesome like spiritual uh, like leaders in my life. He said once. He said, you can be going, imagine a ship that's going in a direction. You are traveling from one location to the other. If you get off your rudder of your ship by one degree, you will go to a completely different location. And I really feel like when I'm about to talk about like the, like the religious aspect of like connecting to God, 
if you are off in your thinking or your understanding, it will take you in a, to a different place. So in my life, what that looked like was I felt this overwhelming expectation to do and be and become a certain way. And it wasn't that I wanted to become this way. I felt pressure and I felt like I had to be a certain person. And that's what I would call performance. That's what I call putting on a mask, dressing up like someone else, and you're dancing around, you're performing. So there were these there's these things that I was doing, not bad things, but there were things that I was doing that was going, it was directly violating my will, which created a lot of angst. I don't know if you've ever done this in your life, but you're doing something that you don't want to be doing and you feel like you have to do it and you should do it. I've talked about this before, the power of the should, like we should do this and we feel obligated to do this and religion makes us feel like we have to do it this way or whatever. And so I was directly violating my will. And so after years and years and years of this, I was a hot mess. Like I was a hot mess in this particular area. And it wasn't in every area of my life, but in this particular area, I was a hot mess because I didn't realize there were so many things that I was doing that I didn't want to be doing and that I felt like I had to do and I felt this pressure to do and I felt this social expectation to do these things and it was creating in me an alternate person that I wasn't. And so after years and years and years of this, I was such a hot mess. Like inside of me, I was I like I didn't even know what I wanted anymore like that's how bad it got after years of like I should do this I should go to this event I should serve in this way I should do this I need to do this I need to go here I need I should hang out with these people I should do this I lost me in the shoulds and it was not great and like during that that time I definitely was not sitting around reflecting on like my past and just reflecting on all this stuff so now that now that that's not there and now that it's like i told andre last night i was like it feels like i open my eyes in a room and i'm like the room was me and i'm like taking a deep breath and i'm looking around going oh my gosh like what's in here what you know like what what is this place what is this julie like what you know what's going on in this space and i'm like my eyes are finally open and i there's no area of my life anymore that there's any shoulds there's no dressing up there's no performing there's nothing it is like it is like the curtains were like ripped down and everybody gets to see behind the scenes and backstage and there's no smoke and mirrors and it feels so amazing and it took some pain and some work and some realization and some very traumatic things for those curtains to come down but oh my goodness i am so glad that they have because now i can look around and say gosh there's work that needs to be done and i'm so glad and it's it's finally time to take inventory and to make my life and my junk the priority. So we're sitting there last night and I'm bawling my eyes out because like I'm realizing all these themes in my life and they're like really deep and I'm realizing conversations I need to have and all these things. And Andre says to me again, like this like quote that I'm just like, oh my gosh, like why is my husband so amazing? Like he says, reclaim your voice and take control of the narratives and he said you get to direct them and I about flipped the table and the first thing that I thought of when he said reclaim your voice 
was that I have felt like I've had to be silent because I've been so busy trying to protect other people. And what happened in my silence, even in my brand and like being really like, I feel like I've been really open, like on my Instagram, but there's a lot of parts about me in the last few years that I've been very silent on because I've been trying to protect other people. And what I realized recently was that I can tell my story and I I have the freedom to speak my story and let my story go forward. And my story has power in it, has hope in it, has restoration in it. And by allowing my voice to be set free, I'm setting other people free to, to reclaim their voice. And that's kind of been a theme over the last few years is that I feel like I've been silenced and that I've been told to be silenced. And the first thing I thought of when he said that as I thought of Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou, who is this amazing writer that we all you know, know and love and just have been impacted by the way she tells stories and her language and like, gosh, even the way she talks. If you ever just want to be relaxed a little bit, I know I'm a little bit like up and down and like I've got, you know, highs and lows and the expression and just like the energy of my voice and that's just how I am all the time. This is, this is it. This is what you get. But Maya is like so calming. She's like ASMR of like storytelling. But in her story, she talks about how this very traumatic thing happened in her life where she um, she had something ha- traumatic happen in her childhood. And I, I can't remember if she was sexually assaulted or if her, if her sister was or something like that. But there was some kind of um, assault that happened and she spoke out about it. She told her mom and the person got arrested or whatever. And as a child, I think she was like six or seven. As a child, she processed that moment. This is going back to counseling, y'all. She processed that moment of her voice, even though her voice spoke her truth and spoke and it was right for her to speak up her voice caused somebody else to go to jail. And so she kind of saw this moment in this traumatic situation. So she decided to stop speaking, completely stop speaking. Like no more talking at all. So she didn't speak again after that moment. And her um, her mom didn't, didn't really know what to do. And so her mom sent her on a train to go be with her grandmother. And so her grandmother... Um, her grandmother would take her to um, the library and she loved to read. My Angela loved to read. So she would go to the library and she would read all these books and she read all the time because she wasn't speaking. And so the librarian, um, the librarian called her up and into who she was meant to be. And part of the way she did that or the most profound thing that she did, she didn't even realize she was doing this. Like, I want to be the librarian in people's lives, okay? Because this moment is just like, oh my gosh. So she told my Angela, she said, she said to her, oh, you know, you like to read. And my Angela just kind of like shakes her head like a little kid would, like, yes, I love to read. And without saying it, and the librarian says, you don't love, you don't love to read. And, you know, my Angela's like shaking her head. Yes, yes, I love to read. And, and the librarian's like, you don't love to read because if you really loved to read, then you would speak the words that you're reading. And there's no way that you can love to read if you're not willing to speak the words. And so 
um, it was like a turning point in Maya Angelou's life. And I think that, that her and that librarian continued to, to build relationship, but that one moment began to shift Maya into beginning to speak again. But I, as I was talking to Andre last night, I said, you know, what's so interesting about, I just, I just clutched, I just clutched my, <laughs> my necklace, like <laughs> with my hand, like what's so interesting about this is like, it's just a moment that you have to like, you know, clutch your pearls is that when you look at Maya's life as a whole, it's very easy to see how the the work of like the work of evil in her life would have been for her to never speak and for her to never become and for her to never write and for her to never be this amazing storyteller. The theme in her life was silence her. And it's because she was meant to become such a voice. And like looking at my life and looking at my story, look at reclaiming my story and looking at how my voice has tried to be silenced. I almost get excited because I, I learned in the school that I was in that the, the enemy always overplays his hand. That he always like, isn't that what you would do if you knew that someone was meant to become great in their voice, wouldn't you try and silence them? And like, I feel like the enemy always overplays his hand. He always shows you what he's, what he's trying to do. Like he always like, he's always trying to steal, kill and destroy. So like in my life, looking at my story and my voice and, and my value and these places where like people have come in to take and it's left me dry. And, you know, looking at, um, all the ways that I had in my past felt like in order to be worthy, in order to be lovable, in order to be valuable, I have to dress up like someone else. I need to be something else or project something else. If I look at that and I can see that, then I immediately know I am most powerful when my voice is heard and I'm extremely authentic. And that's one of the reasons why on this podcast, like I'm not editing anything out. I'm just, I'm just being because there's such a power in the authenticity. There's such a power in the authority of just showing up real and just being and like not trying and just, just letting, letting, um, myself be. And there's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, a polished podcast. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But in my life, this is what feels right for me. And just reclaiming my voice and taking control of the narrative and directing it. And it means realizing I have to see where other people have stepped into my life and tried to take over as a director. And it's so funny this word is even coming up because like, gosh, when my, the, the one thing that I remember when I was like 10 years old. I always told people when I grew up, I wanted to be a director. I wanted to be the video camera person. That's why I, I didn't even know what to call it. I was like, I want to be the video camera person. Like I wanted to be that person that directed and that told the story through the eyes of the lens and like everything in my life that makes me happy revolves around story. So of course, at this point in my life, when everything is ripped open, when everything is raw and real, and there's just like crying at the kitchen table and tearing up at candlelit dinners with my husband, like, isn't it fitting that story keeps coming up? What's even more profound about the fact that my last name is story is like a couple years ago when, when, um, when I was designing websites and, and doing that, there was this moment that came in my life where I started feeling 
like designing didn't make me happy anymore. And it was so weird. It was just this, like a weird moment where I'd been designing for five years and I loved it. I'd eat, sleep and breathe design and creating designs. And all of a sudden one day it was like I woke up and I realized in my soul, my soul wasn't happy with that anymore. And I remember driving to this spot by the ocean and like cry, like crying. Like, I don't know, crying's coming up so much. Like, I don't even cry. Like, I am not a crier. If you want to know who the crier is in our family, it is Andre. Andre watches like the Hallmark commercials and cries. He is that person. I never cry. I didn't even cry when Andre like said his wedding vows to me. I didn't even cry. And they were the most amazing vows ever. Like people watch our story. It's on my YouTube channel. Our, our wedding story. And they'll listen to Andre's vows. Or they'll like see the photo of like Andre hugging the kids. Because he, of course, he said vows to our children. And it's like the most, if you ever just need a good like heartwarming cry, go watch our wedding video on YouTube. Like shameless plug. Because it's so, our videographers are amazing. But that moment, I wasn't even crying. I'm not even a crier. I just not, I am not, and you ask Andre, like, message him on Instagram, like, hey, like, I need to know, is she really a cry? He will tell you he's not. But in these stories, I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm telling you the points where, like, I just broke down because they're real and raw and relevant because I got to this point where design didn't make me happy. Like, actually sitting there and doing the design work. And if any of you guys are designers, you know, when you're designing, a website. It is um, about 1 million teeny tiny little tweaks they have to make plus programming buttons and all these things. So after five years of doing that every day, all day long, I just was like, this doesn't make me as happy as it used to. And so I was just realizing that. And so I just started crying. And so I called Andre and he's like, well, if it doesn't make you happy anymore, like, what is it that you want to do? And I was like wrestling with all these different things and like, what do I want to do? And I don't know. And I remember this moment, I just been like praying to God and I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I want to do. And I remember it so clearly because I walked up to my computer and he's, God said to me, Julie story. And I was like, huh? And he's like, I have been declaring over you what to do in your name, even in your name, Julie Story, Julie Story, Julie Story, Julie Story. That's my name. That's what my name is. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like it's been there the whole time. Like what am I supposed to be doing there the whole time? And like, then I had like prophetic dreams and like all this stuff. And like, I don't know how much that you believe about the, the spiritual world. I don't know what you believe, but I'm just going to tell you, you can like, what God has told me and said to me and like through dreams and like all these different things, like amazing. I, there's just not words for it. It's like, Oh my gosh, this, this happened. Like, Oh, so I, from that moment on, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start, I'm going to start not being ashamed anymore that I'm a writer. It's still like hard to like say, like, I'm a writer. This is what I do. Like I ghostwrite for people. This is what I do in my business. And I still, of course I love branding and I still help people with branding, but I don't do design like I used to because it doesn't make me happy. It doesn't fulfill me anymore. And like, I'm not going to do it because I should do it. I'm going to do things that I want to do and that I love to do. So it's fitting that story keeps coming up. And the stories that we tell ourselves have this like profound impact on the direction of our life that we go. So in continuation of this, I want to leave you with, gosh, like, Be brave enough 
to like even pause the busy in your life and to look back and reflect on the past stories that you've been telling yourself and what is it that makes you happy and where maybe your voice has been silenced and like be brave enough to like turn and look at your themes and like one of the things that I do help people do in their brands and one of the things that I love to do in helping people and in writing for people is I help them figure out like their why in their brand and this actually this one thing looking back at the themes of your story is a huge part of figuring out why you do what you do because people don't buy the what they buy the why they they the way our brain is set up limbic system they buy they buy from you they make a choice to choose you because they connect to the emotion of what it is why you're doing what you're doing and how you figure that out is the themes in your story and like i wish that somebody had slowed me down like four years ago and said what are you doing right now in your life that you don't that you shouldn't be doing and that you're doing because you feel like you should and have you slowed down enough to like realize the stories the negative narratives that you're telling and like you have the power in your story to reclaim it to retell it to re-narrate it and Andre said something last night he's like you know it's in your new story in your new narrative it's not that you neglect and and dismiss the old because it's not honoring what you've walked through it's acknowledging it but not giving it a power in your life anymore so that you can move forward free and so that you can move forward with like a new story. So I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad I get to process this with you. It's like, it's like another form of therapy with me. It's like, we're all doing this together. Like we don't all have it together. We have moments where we drive up to the ocean. We just cry our eyes out. We call our husbands. Like it's okay. And we cry at our Christian tables. Like we are so amazing that we have deep, amazing, beautiful things inside of us. And sometimes they get clouded by terrible narratives that are told by like yourself and other people in your life. So gosh, I hope this is helpful for you. Again, like I would love to hear your stories. Please send me a note, a message. Like I would love to hear them, but gosh, like thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to continue on. I can't wait to like let you know like where else I go from here and just like continue on this this journey together so i hope you have an amazing rest of your day and hope that your weekend is just filled with awesome great stories can't wait to talk to you again soon okay all right bye